had the, ex I, Crumb Rice had the experience of doing this for the first time with you all last year, and I just remember being so moved by the end of the evening. Um, sometimes it's difficult on a Thanksgiving Eve to come. There's plans with family, there's food to make, but I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will encourage you this evening, and I'm glad that you're here. Let me open in prayer and we'll invite the Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would join us by your Holy Spirit, that you'd encourage our hearts, Lord, as we think about gratitude, as we think about thankfulness, as we hear testimonies tonight, Lord, as we sing songs about thankfulness, as we hear your word preached. Lord, we pray that you would impress upon our hearts how good you are. Lord, and you would impress upon our hearts that we are thankful people. We want to be that kind of people, Lord. And so we thank you for an evening to just focus on that. Um, be with us, we ask in Christ's name. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Let's stand together if you're able to stand this evening.
At this time, I'd like to invite up Josiah Contarino. He's going to share with us a testimony this evening. For him, 
not myself. I met Chloe in my junior year. We married a year after I graduated. We had our first son, Gideon, two years after that. I graduated law school. God continued to bless us with more sons. And God's blessings have continued up through this year. Chloe's now pregnant with our fifth child. And this year I made a change in my law practice to instead of defending a typical corporate uh, defense to defending uh, conservative civil rights with Christianity under attack at this time in our country, maybe more than ever. It's really exciting to be on the front lines and to be standing up for these conservative principles. But another blessing has, in this year has occurred, and that has been you, this church, this community. Whether it's the numerous after-church meals, spending time at your homes, neighbors dropping in, Jerry, or the boys bonding with their favorite reindeers at Tree Climbers and Stockade. We feel cared for. We feel loved. We feel the love of Christ. So on this Thanksgiving Eve, it seems appropriate to say thank you, Calvary, for your love for us, for your love for each other, and for your love of our Lord and Savior. Thanks. Thank you, Josiah. Let's stand again if you're able to stand and continue our worship.
Thanks, Mom. You can tell we're entertained in our house. If you're able to stand, would you stand as we continue? Savior, and cry with Job 
I am vile. With Peter, I perish. With the publican, be merciful to me, a sinner. Subdue in me the love of sin. Let me know the need of renovation as well as of forgiveness. In order to serve and enjoy thee forever, I come to thee in the all-pervading name of Jesus, with nothing of my own to plead, no works, no worthiness, no promises. I am often strained, often knowingly opposing thy authority, often abusing thy goodness. Much of my guilt arises from my religious privileges, my low estimation of them, my failure to use them to my advantage. But I am not careless of thy favor or regardless of thy glory. Impress me deeply with the sense of thine omnipresence, that thou art out my path, my ways, and my Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you, Ramey. So yeah, it's another book recommendation. The Valley of Vision. If you do not have that as a prayer book, it is a wonderful, wonderful prayer book. I've used it for many, many years. And I actually found when my mother passed away a leather-bound copy of hers um, in her bedroom. And I was the one who got to keep it out of my four brothers, and, uh, or my three brothers. And it's just a wonderful uh, treasure to have that. Well, this evening, I want to do a little bit of a meditation on Psalm 111. It's one of my favorite psalms. It's a Thanksgiving psalm. And, uh, and so we've already read it this morning, but you have a Bible in front of you, and you can turn to Psalm 111. Again, as we all know, Thanksgiving is not a distinctly Christian holiday, but it's an American national holiday. But giving thanks to God is our duty and our privilege as servants of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so we, we joyfully come together to do that and take every opportunity to bless God, especially when we get special opportunities like this together, and we'll have a little bit of time of open sharing here after I'm done, so if you want to be thinking maybe a little bit about what you might want to share, you don't have to share, but if you'd like to, we'll have an opportunity for that. But please turn to Psalm 111, and we're going to just, I'm just going to give you some thoughts as we go. But probably one of the first things you need to know about Psalm 111 is that it's an acrostic psalm. And I don't know if you've ever done that when you were a kid. You, know, you put the first letters of the alphabet down one side of the page, and then you have to come up with a line. You know, for each one starts with an A, starts with a B, starts with a C. That's the kind of psalm this is. There are many acrostic psalms. And so that's important to realize because when you think about, well, what's the unity of the psalm, it's mainly going to be topical. And uh, these connected phrases, it's not strongly developmental that we're going through some particular storyline. Although here we'll see there's a little bit of one. And that's to praise God for his goodness in his acts and in his revelation, which are all benefiting his people. Now, most scholars consider Psalm 111 a post-exilic psalm. In other words, after the people of God had come back from being in exile in Babylon and, uh, for 70 years, and that this psalm then was used in times of thanksgiving. And that's really good to know because that's how we're using the psalm. So we're using the psalm the way the psalm was originally intended to be used. And I want to draw our attention to just a few details as we go through. So verses 1 through 3 is really serves as the introduction. But let me just read them and comment. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. 
Well, this is a call to praise. The opening word is hallelujah, let us praise Yahweh. And it ends, you'll notice in verse 10, how it ends, his praise endures forever. These are the bookends of our psalm. So we as God's people are called to come together, we see right away in verse 1, and to give thanks with all of our heart, all of our energy, all of our being, all of our mind, everything we, we are. And we are truly the upright assembly that the psalmist talks about in Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. Now, Psalm, verse 2 really begins the praise of the psalm. It says, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. And the psalmist begins our praise together with declaring that God's works, the Lord's works, are great. We marvel at them. We stand in awe of them. We're delighted by them. Even more so, as the psalmist says, they're so great that we actually have to go investigate them. And then as we investigate the works of the Lord, we discover not only are these great works, but what a great God who did all these works. And in fact, here is, in verse 2, Psalm 111, verse 2, the Christian foundation for all branches of learning, right here in verse 2, to learn everything we can about God's creation, to learn everything we can about God's providence, the way he directs his creation. Those of us that are called to study the history of redemption in his works in Scripture, here's that call as well, as well as even just personally in our lives, to look more deeply into the things that he has done. And we've already heard just two testimonies, and there'll be more this evening, of looking into what God is doing. And we have to meditate on these things. And we have to consider God's fullness and proclaim his greatness with all of his church. And then verse 3 tells us that if we do verse 2, something happens. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. You see, as we do what verse 2 talks about, giving praise to God, spending time investigating what he's doing to understand who God is all the more, well, then our eyes are going to be opened to see the splendor of the Lord our King. It's all there for us to observe, for us to study, open, available. And we're going to be blessed and confirmed in the truth if we look into these things, because he rules this world with order. He rules it victoriously, never thwarted, not once. He rules it redemptively with his purposes in this world and with loyalty to his covenant people in Jesus Christ. Well, then we get to the heart of the psalm, verses 4 through 9. So this is just the introduction, verses 1 through 3. Um, those are my favorite verses, especially verse 2. But then we get to verses 4 through 9, and we start reading more specifics. Again, this is an acrostic psalm, and the psalmist is thinking about to himself and, to the, and for the people, well, what kinds of things has God done in the history of the world? And so he begins, he's caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed 
with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. In these verses here, the Lord, we see his causes, works to be remembered. And how has he done that? In verse 4, as he says he caused them to be remembered, he did it in two main ways, by putting together a calendar and by putting together liturgy. And notably, as you've seen in these words I just read to you, if you know your Bibles fairly well, you know there are hints of what I just read about the Passover, of the Exodus, hints about the atonement in the tabernacle, and most fully and eternally as Christians, as we read this, we know Christ is our Passover, as the scriptures say, and that Christ is our Redeemer. And he has not forgotten his works or his greatness, and he's not going to allow his people to either. So what's most to be remembered is the character of God. Did you notice in verse 4, 7, and 9, we get all these words about God's character. Verse 4, his graciousness, his compassion. Verse 7, his faithfulness, his just, his, the fact that he's just. Verse 9, his holiness and his awesomeness. These are qualities that he puts on display for his people to observe. And they're to be matched, they're sort of matched in our psalm with things in a list. So when you look at the wonders of verse 4, he has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The things that should come to mind to us initially, because this is how the, many of the psalmists write, is they're remembering when the people were called out of Egypt and remembering all of that history up until their present time. And so these wonders are referring to the plagues, they're referring to the Exodus, they're referring to the words of the prophets, and of course, ultimately, they refer to Christ in Scripture. He is gracious and compassionate. He's given food in verse 5. That certainly should remind us of the wilderness wanderings and how God provided miraculously for his people and how he always provides for all of us. The power for the heritage of the nations that he would give them in verse 6 refers to the conquest when the people took over the land, to the time of the judges, to the time of the kings, to the time of the exile, to the time of the return, and to the time of the messianic king who would come. He is faithful and just. The precepts that are mentioned in verse 7 refer to Sinai, to the prophets, to Jesus, to the apostles, to all of Scripture. It's God's self-revelation. It's the greatest of all his works, much greater than any works he does, is to make himself known, to make his purposes known, to write them in Scripture for his people and make his people know them, cause us as his people to remember them and to meditate upon them. The Sinaitic covenant with his people shows this, the depth of his grace and his mercy, and that he is holy and awesome. And then in verse 9, in closing out this little section, he sent redemption to his people and has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Notice the strong assurance of the covenant blessings promised to the covenant people and his faithfulness forever. The covenant that's in view is especially that covenant of promise that was initiated with Abraham. And then that same covenant of promise was ratified and established in Moses. And it's that same covenant that progressed and continued through David. And it finds its foreverness 
fulfilled in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of all the promises of all the covenants. Here is our assurance as true members of the, as the covenant people of Yahweh. Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham. Jesus Christ is the second Moses. Jesus Christ is the greater son of David. And then we get to verse 10, the close of the psalm. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Our proper response as thankful members of the covenant is wisdom and praise. And the way we gain wisdom is by reverencing God in awe, in holy awe, in submitting to his word, in obeying it, in knowing it, in loving it, in trusting it, and fulfilling all the obligations that are put on us for holiness. That's how we gain wisdom. And we are to praise him perpetually as the Lord God of the covenant goodness that he brings to us. For truly, as the psalm ends, his praise endures forever. I hope that Psalm 111, as you meditate upon it for yourself, and maybe even find some commentaries to help you, you will find this to be one of the richest psalms in the whole collection. My hope for us all tomorrow for Thanksgiving is that we make it more than a family time. Of course, it's a family time. But it's also a time of giving joyful thanks to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Psalm 111 can help us. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. And I want to begin this evening our time of sharing a little bit briefly. And, um, and so if you want to share something, please, the microphone's right here. So if we would just sort of line up along here, um, and then you can, you can share for uh, briefly. Um, during that time, and uh, just be mindful, there's a clock back there, <laughs> and be mindful of other people in line too that also want to share something, so be mindful of that, and then when we get to a closing time, Ramey will lead us in a final song. But I want to uh, just give praise to God in the congregation uh, for a couple things. Uh, first of all, um, for my year of cancer. So December 23rd, Last year is when I was diagnosed with cancer. Of course, I had a very, uh, very painful life the two months prior to that. But uh, Linda and I were thinking the other day, you know, we like to do something for Thanksgiving all the time, but just sort of counting up what's all transpired in those 10, 11 months because it's amazing how many things happen. And look back and then it's like, well, how many times have I had chemo? And it's just like, I don't know, we got to go back and look at the calendar. You know, it's 18 rounds of chemo. That's good. I don't want 19. 18 was enough. Um, Ten different doctors that we got to see. Uh, enjoyed every one of them. Um, five days of high-dose radiation therapy. I'm just glad it wasn't five months. Four to eight doctor's appointments on average each month. You know, I know some of you see the doctor more than that. But for us, you know, that's a lot. And to just put that in your calendar. Two liver surgeries. I just got done with one two weeks ago. One liver pump that's still in there, but, you know, eventually I'll get that thing out. Um, countless miles traveled to appointments, innumerable pain medications, and then medications to counter the medications results in your body. Yes, those are the best medications. So, and then, but most importantly, thousands of praying friends, thousands of praying churches around the world and, uh, and family, and uh, just so many people we're so thankful to. 
And so, uh, so November 19th, we sort of put this all together. And since I've finished my treatment regimen, if you will, um, I get a new title, I guess. That's Cancer Survivor at this point. So, but 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if you ever want to know what God's will for your life is, one thing it always is, is to give thanks. To give thanks to God for what he's doing in your life. The second thing I wanted to offer thanks for, since no one's lining up, uh, is, <clears throat> is my family, of course. And uh, uh, they couldn't quite make it tonight. Hopefully my daughter will make it later, but they just got, got in. But, uh, of course, God is just it's one of the concerns we have as parents, just his faithfulness to our, our children uh, for their faith, uh, for their careers, uh, for their happiness, for their marriages, for all those types of things. And, of course, we're so thankful. And one daughter who, who's here tonight, she might show up a little bit later, uh, Dinah in D.C., very thankful for her and how God has provided a career path for her and her ministry to international um, uh, business people which is her passion, is serving the international community. And so thankful that she's involved in a church that is committed to planting churches in the D.C. area. And I'm always very, very interested in results, not words. And so I'm very, very passionate about the church that she's involved in because we see the results of faithful witnessing to people and building relationships with people that are different than you. And so I'm very, very thankful for my daughter and for how God has worked this in her heart as well over these years. So that's my opening and sharing. So looks like John's the first one. So John, if you would share with us. Habakkuk, no, seeing that, 
understanding who God is and wanting to make known the Lord that he served, said this in prayer in the middle of his captivity. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and all the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take my joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes me my feet like deer's feet and leads me out to the high places. That's from a man who went into captivity and lost probably everything he had. That's a man who is thankful for his God who is good. We sang, you're such a good, good God. And God is a good, good God. Even when it doesn't seem to us that he is a good, good God. Lately I've been realizing what a God he is and what a father he is trusting more in him, knowing that he wants me to have good things. That's not necessarily what I think of good things. He's my father. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what's good for my life. Through my life, I fought him because I thought I knew what was good for my life. I didn't trust that he would only give me good and keep me from the, the problems that I would face if I went my own way. Well, my life, I went my own way a lot, but thank the Lord I came to him and realized, and still did not quite realize until lately what a good, good God he is, what a good father he is. And Habakkuk has these even though in his, his prayer, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We're learning about this in the discipleship class, that God has put a table in the presence of this world, in this dark, dark world, that is for me and for him. And he has a table for you and for him. And you sit at that table with him the idea is, do not give the, the devil a seat at your table. That's your table with you and your Lord. Anything else is a distraction. Anything else takes away from your time with the Lord. We're learning that. I'm learning that. And I'm trying to see how following the Lord straight, keeping him at that side of the table and enjoying what he's giving to me, letting the waves and the storms of the world go by, that's not easy. That's not easy. It takes discipline. It takes knowing the word. I thought I knew the Bible. I read Psalm 23 when I was a kid. I learned it actually in public school, of all places. And it was a very comforting psalm. But that psalm is more than comforting. That shows me what my Father, God, is doing for me. He's walking with me. He doesn't take me out of the valley. He walks me through the valley. He doesn't allow me to go into heavy, to 
rough waters. He brings me to quiet waters. He has a rod and a staff. Now, I always used to think that rod was for discipline. It's not. It's for protection. And that staff is for the stubborn sheep that I can be and that we can be. And he uses the crook in that staff to pull you away and keep you there. And I just wanted to say that this Thanksgiving is a beautiful time. Thanksgiving itself is a beautiful time. We have so much to be grateful for. I just want to say that it's very easy to be grateful when things are well, and things are well most of the time. It is good to be grateful to the Lord for everything because he is worthy and faithful and deserving of your grace and your, gra your gratitude and, and love. Just thank you. Praise God and thank for the ones who we love that were members here, that I was there before they died and prayed with them. I think of Ralph and Dory. I think of Kenny Olson. I think of my brother. I think of many others that I happened to be just there at the time before, and I prayed with them. And I thank you, God, that they knew the Lord and they were going to meet with him. I give thanks for that. I give thanks for the new faces that I meet, the Gideons and the Lazarus and all the other the new to be announced soon that the uh, Chloe will be giving birth. That's another time of Thanksgiving. I, I love the newness and the oldness. And you know, I'm favorites of the oldness because I'm involved with them. And I love what I do with them and it keeps me young. But uh, God is good. He is always good. I love David. I, he's a man after God's heart and I long to be like him in a lot of ways. And that one verse, uh, that Psalm 103, I always love. Uh, give, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives you your sins and heals your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and tender mercies? Who satisfies you with good things so that your youth may be renewed like the eagles? And every time I stand before our sage group, I praise God. I pray the force so he carries me, but he brings me through. And I, my youth is re reinvigorated again. Um, there's something about, like John said, Pastor Dan, there's nothing like looking at the Lord and giving praise. I just heard, I memorized a new verse. I don't remember where it's at. In front of all of you, I forget. But it says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father in heaven, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. That's all I got to say, because he is worthy of praise.
Stole you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Amen. Have a good Thanksgiving.